You know, Bo, as I've gotten older, I realize in life you have to have goals. And when you consider all of what you do in life and at work or really even in the world of football, you know, you think of the Bundesliga and you think of Schalke. And, uh, you know, Schalke has a goal this season. One goal, and they've given up 15. So I'm starting to realize that the <laughs> 0-4 is uh, how every one of their home games will end this season. Oh, my God. It's uh, – yeah, I don't know what happened, man. I mean, there's like – you know, I know sometimes teams go through a dry spell, but God, they are all full. Yeah, and, and, and when you look at what they had to do, okay, finally, after coming back from – the pandemic last season and being the first league back, Schalke did not win a single anything. David Wagner was uh, sent off, and you know it'll be greener pastures. I mean, it's a major club in Germany to be that bad. We've seen Werder Bremen be bad, but maybe not that bad. But we'll, we'll see if they can rebound some. You know, I, I'm enjoying some of the Bundesliga because of the competition. I'm also looking at the Premier League right now, and a similar story brewing that really does involve the Bundesliga. It's that the Oli G show is not very well cast right now at Manchester United no. because Woodward is not bringing in the horses. I and mean, what do we mean by that? I mean, does the need to have a Jaden Sancho or the need to have an Erling Holland, something that has to be accomplished for uh, Ole Gunnar Sushard, have the team that he feels that he needs? Or are there other ways around this? Because it's the Dortmund players that aren't in Manchester with United that are becoming the big story right now in the Premier League as Manchester United is not starting out so great in this Premier League campaign. We're three, four games in and Manchester United fans are already ready to go and burn down old Tradford. It's a mess over there. And maybe Cavani is the answer, but Cavani's the kind of answer that's going to get you out of the cellar and into the middle of the table. I don't know if he's the answer to get you to the top. Um, but I am excited about the other moves. You know, I'm waiting for Bale and Tottenham for that all to come together. But Kane and Son have played incredible. I mean, they do have a loss, but still... Uh, the first little bit of the Premier League is exciting because not only do we have great players and great teams and great games that you always get, but it's become a little bit unpredictable. You know, Liverpool's blowout loss. That to me was more, I mean, Manchester United's blowout loss. I, I think somebody, if you watch Man U enough, especially over the last decade, you always know that some... Uh, something like that is on the table, right? At some point, they're going to fall apart in a major game. And they did, right? But Liverpool, that's a different story. And to see what happened in that Liverpool game, yeah, the Premier League is, as opposed to some of the other European counterparts where you're always like, well, these two teams will be in the top or these three teams will be in the top. Right now, I mean, you got, I'd say, 10, 12 teams that have a pretty good shot of making it into Champions League qualifying. And I and I really feel like you have five teams that actually have a chance of being at the top of the table at the end of this because, you know, Man City hasn't played well. Um, you know, the Wolves have been here or there, but uh, they've, they've shown some positive signs. Uh, Manchester United, as we've just talked about, is awful, but I don't expect them to be awful for the whole year. 
Uh, Chelsea has yet to be the Chelsea that everybody thought they were going to be. And then, of course, you have Arsenal, which Arsenal team is going to show up. The one that showed up the last month and a half, two months, has been very impressive. So uh, a pretty exciting, pretty exciting European football getting started. And, Lawrence, I don't know how much uh, La Liga you've been watching. I mean, we're going to this nice little break point right now. But uh, La Liga is actually quite interesting because we still don't quite know what's happening with Barcelona and uh, how they're coming together. Well, I've watched all the Atleti matches and, you know, spying some of... Real Madrid and Barcelona. I've seen that, you know, Barcelona isn't as disorganized and dysfunctional as I thought it might be to start this campaign. It's yeah, actually well, been have, pretty good. Yeah. It, like, it hadn't been as mm. much of a hot dumpster fire that we kind of thought it could be. It's, it's not <laughs> great, but it's, it's not that bad. Well, I mean, it's not that bad, but it's not that good. I mean, uh, Atletico Madrid has two draws. They, they still got to they gotta score more. I don't you know, I, I don't know what it is. Three games in, they've scored five goals. Like, come on. You know, let's go, Suarez. Let's see what we can do. Um, Betis, Sociedad, not not a bad start. And Real Madrid, like, uh, you know, they have a draw, but three, one, no losses. Um, they're, they're playing like people who are defending champs. So, it's all shaken out, but you know we're we're five games in, and the Premier League we're four games in. Uh, Bundesliga a little bit farther along, so it's like you know these tables are starting to take shape, and and I don't think teams can use the excuse of the restart anymore. At this point, they have to start producing because their counterparts are proving that it's possible. Yeah, m- most certainly. I mean, the the one thing that if we go back to the Premier League for a second that I find interesting is it's not just the villains and uh, Everton that are at the top of the table right now that seem interesting because I think that'll come back down to earth. For Aston Villa, it's been three games played as well as the three games played that Manchester United, Burnley, and also Manchester City have played while the rest have played four. So there's still more to obviously see from all these folks in a you know 38-match season right so the early 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 stuff doesn't tell you that much with the exception of a couple of notes here West Ham looks reputable Antonio is very strong right now finishing pretty much once a game and and that's been a nice thing to see the lead story of course it's fun to watch and I think that too will come back down to be you know lower mid table when it's all said and done yeah but but they're not going to be they're not going to be relegated no they're not going to be relegated at all no but but to me West Ham Newcastle and Leeds are kind of that interesting middle of the thing story that you know that's market improvement from where they were uh, well in in Leeds' case coming up into the Premier League from Championship but for Newcastle and West Ham I mean relegation wasn't that impossible from the consideration this past campaign and then they're looking way better the fulham situation this is a bad year for west brom and fulham to be coming up into the premier league i mean it's a discussion we've had in the past before are we afraid for our clubs to be relegated like that means it's for an eternity or is there an opportunity to come and bounce back and forth and up and down? I mean, that that's the story of West Brom in many ways. And it's been the story of Fulham Sheffield United, not scoring goals at all has been another part to their bad start. And, you know, I never want to bet against Sean Dyche with Burnley because it just seems like they'll gut out wins at some point in the season. So, I mean, if you just looked at this objectively, the teams that have the most danger of falling back down are teams that had just basically come back up. And that being Fulham, 
Sheffield United two years before and West Brom. Those are the teams that look like they're going to be fighting off relegation. And, uh, you know, one more shout out to, I hate to do it, Ralph Hassenhutl's Southampton Saints. They've played some reputable football to start the uh, Premier League campaign. But, yeah, I'm with you. The discussion is obviously premature and now they're into this international break and those games have been fun i mean i i I caught netherlands and mexico the other day raul jimenez from wolves getting a penalty kick and uh fun to see him get it past tim cruel cruel ground and and what i liked most about seeing (laughs) the mexican national team and and we'll of course talk more into our uh football and inglés segment about league mx and how things are going but but watching these international friendlies thus far and all this kind of stuff it's a prelude to world cup qualifying I, i i will say it's been fun to see guys well attuned to the situation but you know this is the part of the season where it's like it, it is all blending together, but now a lot of concessions have been made by the various pro leagues to make sure international competitions and availabilities are there for these players. And at this stage, it does feel disruptive. This does not feel like the best so, time for an international break, to be honest with you. Well, okay, so it, well, it, it doesn't, and it's kind of a weird mix. First of all, shout out uh, your your man, Adama Traore, Um he is the darling of Spain. It's like, it's like the country has just realized that he is on the Spanish team. Uh, he has done done well, shown well. Uh, even his training sessions uh, looks amazing. So I just wanted to give a quick, you know, that's a Wolves. That's where me and you come together. That's where Wolves and the Spanish national team. That that's coming together. I like that's to synergy. hear that. I, I, but, I appreciate that. But, but, but yeah, but but but. Uh, you know, it's interesting when you talk about that, and, and this is what people have to understand as they come, mostly our audience, of course, people we speak to are mostly Americans, they're American sports fans, and, you know, could you imagine in college football if the college football playoff and the conferences and college football as a whole, like the independent teams or the out-of-conference games, were all run by three completely different organizations, and that's where you kind of run into this thing with with soccer is you know fifa and then you have the national teams that of course play in the fifa sponsored competitions but then you also have the domestic contest which you also have the cups and then you have the leagues and the thing is is that it's not like uh, especially with covid and the and the suspensions of play and of course the struggles that people have had with with just safely putting matches on and travel and everything else like that. It's like if you're the NFL or if you're college football or if you're one of these big monolithic organizations, you can kind of downshift on certain aspects of it so that you can make sure that the consistency of your product and the ability of your players to deliver is consistent. But everybody wants their piece of the pie. And the problem with soccer is the the domestic contest, the domestic cups, the international contest, and the international contest when you talk about the buildup to the World Cup are all different organizations and everybody wants their piece of the pie. Nobody's willing to take a back seat. So you're right, Lawrence. It's going to be interesting to see how not only fatigue, uh, but just kind of these relationships kind of kind of happened we've seen a little bit of an issue in mexico we'll talk about that we talked about that last week in football in inglés the the uh, you know herrera the head coach of club america one of the perennial teams and his relationship with the head coach of the mexican national team and how he feels like that some of his players are getting worn out and it's like uh, everybody's trying to take care of themselves but 
they also know that these other factors are going to play into it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, I hate to say, you know, it is what it is, but that's, that's kind of where we stand right now. But, you know, we are talking a lot about Mexico and the Mexican national team. So, Lawrence, I, I think it's about time. Oh, it is that time. Woo! It's time for that football down south! Football in Inglés in an international break that's getting quite international. Here we go, yes. Where Wolves, Raul Jimenez on the Mexican national team netting that penalty kick against the Netherlands. And, uh, you know, what I was most happy to see in the match watching Mexico and Netherlands is the size that is on the pitch for the Mexican national team and how effective it was against, you know, a rough-and-tumble Netherlands squad. Virgil van Dijk anchoring that defense. That was not a joke getting that clean sheet, and also then netting that goal and claiming, well, it being a friendly, a victory. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's 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 interesting how Mexico is now playing uh, on the international stage, how they've kind of changed what they've done. But, you know, the thing is, is that Mexico was constantly in this battle to quit being a team that makes the final 16 of the World Cup. They want to be elite. They want to be in that elite level, in that top four level. And it's like, what do they have to do to make that happen. And so I appreciate the fact that they're trying to think outside the box. You know, sometimes your best team isn't always made up of the best individual players. It's how those players play together. It's the idea of in the NFL, would you rather play with the New England Patriots or would you rather play with the NFC Pro Bowl team, right? We, we don't get to see that happen because it's different levels of competition. But how does that turn on the international stage? Like, what's more important? How does the national team play together? And so I like the creativity that they're using and putting together these squads and how they're playing. Because, yeah, international soccer, just like every other aspect of soccer, whether it's the Premier League or Italian soccer or Spanish soccer, um, they all have their styles of play. And international soccer is... Is, has its own style of play. So sometimes you can't force your domestic style of play onto the international stage. Teams that are able to do that, Germany, Brazil, but we've also seen failures there. And I think that's what Mexico is learning. It's like, where can we inject our styles of play and make a positive improvement? And where do we need to kind of pull back what we, we pride ourselves in and maybe try to fill in roster spots with people who play a style that maybe will complement the teams that we're playing against. And Ooh. and and you saw that this week. Yeah, well, Tata getting a lot, obviously, out of Raul Jimenez being the number nine, leading the striking attack, and, uh, you know, going into a new era away from the Chicharito era. And and that's a cool thing. What What is going to be helpful, though, down the line is some assistance, like from Pizarro, who was... Not really all the way in it uh, in the match against the Netherlands. But there's there's much more to come with that. As we see the international time frame unfold, there is a match in Liga MX, and it's coming on Sunday with Tijuana in a makeup situation taking on you know, Santos Laguna. And, and I'm looking forward to at least having a Liga MX match this weekend uh, on Sunday, the 11th of October, before things kick back into a nice schedule starting on Thursday, October 15th, Atletico, San Luis, and Carretero. And uh, that's, you know, a matchup when we look forward and future into things that 
It, it, it's kind of too bad it's sitting on its own island on a Thursday night because it's two teams that it's it's been sketchy. And for Atletico San Luis, it, it's getting scary, the goal differentials right now, because that's not competitive. That's it's just not competitive. It, it's it's not, but they but they 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 are a team that has good players, right? And they do have a good coach. So, you know, I always say this is a streaky league, and when everybody kind of comes back from this international break, I mean, it's the final stretch, right? You get, you know, for most of these teams, four or five games left, um, and in those four and five games, you can make a big move. And looking at how things are shaking out, even Atletico San Luis could get three wins and put themselves close to that 12th spot. And that's possible. Uh, You know, we saw how Toluca has been this amazing team. We were on the Toluca train and then that train derailed. And then slowly that train has been put back on the tracks. They're sitting at ninth place, you know, Pachuca's at seventh. It's going to be interesting to see how these last couple of days, uh, these last couple of dates, these last couple of games play out because, you know, the season is short. You know, this is not a 40-game, 38-game season that you see in Europe. It's half. So, you know, two, three wins in a row. And, you know, you look at a team like Lyon, one of our favorite, the Kings of Lyon. They were they were kind of in the middle of the table. They were kind of not finding their way at the first part of the season. Now they're at the top of the table, right? Tigris has, has played a more exciting brand of football than they did the first half of the season. They're at fifth place. They're starting to make moves, you know, and Guadalajara, I, from the beginning said, this was Guadalajara's year to come back. And, and, you know, the Chivas was finally going to be the Chivas that everybody needs and wants them to be. I mean, they're sitting at eighth. So they're kind of in that place. They could go either direction, right? They're just out, you know, they're a couple of wins from being in that top four and getting that, that buy in the, in the little league, in the playoff. But they're also four spots from being out. And you know what? If a team like, if a team like Chivas doesn't make the playoffs, I, you know, they've already replaced their coach. They've already gone through this entire, like, just almost an, a rebellion against what they were and how they need to change. And it's like, if they still can't get it together, it, it's kind of much like at the beginning of, uh, at the beginning of our show, we were talking about the Premier League, and we were talking about, you know, Man United, and I kind of see Guadalajara in the same boat as Man United. They're dragging around this anchor that is their brand, right? And they want to make changes, and they need to make wholesale changes. They don't need to make little changes. They need to make big changes. But how do you make big changes when your fan base expects constant production? And so, you know, like I said, it really comes down to the next three games for Guadalajara. If they can avoid getting a lot of points taken away from them, if they can get two wins and a draw, then, you know, things will be fine. They'll just kind of go on their way. But if they drop out of this top 12, man, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a big problem in Jalisco. Yeah. Well, as we tape this, we always include on sound system FC, a European talk before we get to the football in Inglace on a show that stands alone because this brand of soccer does stand alone and Lyon standing alone with Definitely. four points for themselves at the top of the standings because they're not just winning wow. convincingly. Here's the thing. They've given up the least amount of goals thus far. The goaltending has been great. 
you know, Angel Mena, you know, he gets it done when it matters. Their top goal scorer, and in the most recent game against Mazatlan, it was in the 96th minute. I mean, you talk about... I was, feel, yeah, I feel bad about that Mazatlan game, though. And, you know, how many, how many Mazatlan games have we felt coach. bad about this year? I mean, like, that's... that's, that's I know, but, that, but this is different. This is different. This Mazatlan game, they lost a game that they could have won or they could have had a draw because they played very good soccer. The, the other times Mazelan has lost and we've been like, oh my God, what's wrong? It's because Mazelan did something really stupid. They didn't do anything really stupid in this game. But God, the, the penalty in the 96th minute, oh my God, that's got to be a terrible way to go out as a coach. I feel bad. Well, but, just take yeah, you're right. Kings of Leon, they're they're doing great. And uh, yeah, I mean, that four-point stretch in a, in a league that plays this compressed of a, of a schedule – to be up four points is 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 a good place to be. Yeah, and Benny Blanco and goals. It's been excellent. And, and I'll say this. We have to look forward to the Kings and uh, the Screaming Eagles on Monday Night Football on uh, the 19th of October as uh, Club America visits yeah. Lyon. And, and, you know, Club America, they're not losing, but they're not winning. I mean, there's a lot of draws on this schedule thus far. And it's fine. they're going to be fine. I guess where you'd kind of like want to draw the line is if you're Tigris, who is playing way better now. I mean, Tuka's Tigers are getting it done. They've scored the most uh, goals in most opportunistic ways they could. They've also lost matches where they shouldn't have at all because they gave something up late or let something get tied. I mean, it's been a really shaky, shaky schedule for them. But right now, even as shaky as they are and as shaky as it's been for Monterey, you're talking about Tigris 5 and Monterey 6 in the standings right now, just below America and Pumas, who are 3 and 4. And uh, we told yeah, you Leon at 1, Cruz Azul 2. I, I, just, I just don't see how Pumas, America, Cruz Azul, or Leon let Tigris into that not having to play into their role in the playoffs to come. I guess that's that's the point I'm trying to make. As bad as it's been for Tigris and Monterey at times this season, they're still right there at the top of the people that are going to be in that play-in tournament. Yeah, definitely. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because, you know, I mean, Tigris is only one point out of the top four. They've been playing better football. They have the largest goal differential of any team in the league. Uh, so, you know, there is definitely I see there's a bigger separation from five to six than there is four to five. I think the difference between the, the crosstown rivals Tigris and Monterey is a lot greater than the difference between Pumas and Tigris or America and Tigris. So you're right. Once we get back from this break. We, we will see. And of course, we'll be here all along to follow it. And soon, the expansion. More to come on that with Bo Byerly. I'm Lawrence Scott. Thanks so much for joining us. Viva Lante. Yeah.